Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon when you are watching this. Um, as Mel said, yeah, he called uh, for me to pinch hit, which was interesting because I always have different things rolling around in my head, kind of thoughts, you know, things I'm going to think of, oh, that would make a, an interesting sermon. And one of it was funny because literally when you sent that text, was I literally had this thing in my, was in my thought pattern, which was I started thinking about all the different ways that God com had com has communicated through the course of time. I mean, when you look at the Bible, it starts right at the beginning. We see God speaking to this world in existence. I mean, you look, start looking at these verses here. Um, Genesis 1-3 and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1.6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Genesis 1.9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. Genesis 1.11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to the various kinds and it was so and we continue to move on we have 120 and God said let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky 124 and God said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds the livestock the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. And in verse 126, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animals and all over the creatures that move along the ground. Who is God speaking to in these verses? I'm sorry I had to go through that whole thing, but I'm not because I love the story of creation. I love picturing all of those things that God was doing during that time. But who's he talking to, especially in verse 26? This verse is different because there's more than one involved. It says, let us make mankind in our image. Who is this us? There's a lot of debate on that, and I've I've done, I've researched it, and I'm not really going to go through the whole thing on it. If you want to know, uh, speak to me later, and I'll, I'll let you know what I found out. But really, and we, as a church, we've discovered that this is what he's talking about is the Godhead, right? Which we, we call the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's interesting about 26 is that the, it's at the end of the conversation with the Trinity, after this conversation is over, creation is done, God then moves on talking with the created, right? He just finished this unbelievable project. His work is done. So now he needs to give instructions to the created on how to be caretakers. Look at verses 28 through 29. It says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creatures that move along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
We know he then goes on to create Eve, and he has a relationship with Adam and Eve where he walks with them on the earth and has conversations with them. Even after Adam and Eve sinned and was removed from the garden, still, still God spoke with them. He could no longer walk with them, but he still spoke with them and their offspring. Right? We see that with Cain and Abel. And these weren't just little phrases here and there. These were conversations, right? I mean, look when God's talking to Cain about why his offering was lacking. In verse Genesis 4, 6, and 7, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God is speaking as a parent to a child. Okay, Fast forward several hundred years. Now we have God speaking to Noah. He comes to Noah and lets him know the things that's about, is what's about to happen. We go to Genesis 6.13. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. God then goes on from verse 14 through 21, telling Noah exactly what he, what, he, what he wants him to do from the size of the ark, taking care of the animals. It's a pretty, you know, straightforward conversation. You know, he comes around, Noah's there, and God's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. This earth, it's done, all right? I want you to take, get your family, build a boat, and this, this is how I want you to do it. What's interesting on this, on a side note, that no one in his family were in the ark for almost an entire year. Okay? So all you people who are having issues with being in quarantine for two and a half months or so and are losing your mind, you know, think about that family sitting in a, in a boat not knowing when they're going to get out or even being able to go outside. Okay? We can walk outside. He, they, they, didn't even, they couldn't even open the door. Okay? So... Fast forward several hundred more years, now we have God speaking to Abram. This is before God changes his name to Abraham. And these aren't light conversations like, hey, Abram, how are you and your wife Sarah doing? No, God drops the big bomb on him, right? Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. Now, keep in mind, Abram at this time was not a young man, number one. Number two, he was very wealthy, okay? That's like someone going up to, you know, uh, Bill Gates at his whatever Washington mansion and says, you know what, get rid of all this and go. And, you know, take, go somewhere I'm going to show you, okay? It's, it's not just a, a little small thing, you know? What's also interesting to note that on a side note here as well that um, his father, Terah, was actually supposed to go to Canaan before Abraham was. You know, if you look at Genesis 11.31, it said he stopped before he completed the journey. So God's plan was always for somebody to go to Canaan. God and Abraham had several more encounters where God speaks to him. They have an encounter where God literally appears to him. I mean, can you imagine that? You're sitting at home and all of a sudden, you open the door and there's God. Whoa. You know, they even have an encounter where Abraham proceeds to try and bargain with God, right? We see that in Genesis 18:17, and the Lord said, "Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do?" 
So God in this conversation is telling Abraham he's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham begins to plead for the city by telling God, are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? I mean, you are a merciful God. How can you destroy the righteous with the wicked? They're the righteous. So he then starts the negotiations. He says, God, if I go, if you go there and you find 50, are you going to destroy the city? God says, you know what? If I find 50, I won't do it. Well, Abraham's thinking, you know what? I've been to this city. I don't think I can find 50. So he proceeds to say, you know what, God? 50, eh. What about 45? If you, if, you, if you find 45, you do it. And God says, you know what? If I find 45, I won't do it. Abraham's like, you know what? <laughs> 45, pretty hard number to get to. How about, it? let's see if I go 30. Lord, if I go to 30, if, you, if 30, he says, you know what? 30, I won't do it. Still, he's like, you know what? I could probably get 30. So he finally goes down to 10, right? He gets to 10. And what's so interesting about this is here he is negotiating with the God of the universe and God's listening to him and saying, you know what? Cool. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty amazing to be able to have that type of dialogue with God. We could just say, you know what, Abraham? I don't care what you think. It's gone. That's the last time we have a record of God speaking during this time period is to Jacob in Genesis 35, 11. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. That's a pretty, that's not a small conversation, right? Says to him, you're going to increase in number, and you're going to have kings from among your descendants. Man, that's a pretty amazing conversation. We have to fast forward almost 500 years before we get the next time God speaks to someone, which is Moses, right? So we have Moses. He's a shepherd, tending his sheep, and then all of a sudden, he sees something. He goes up, there's a, a bush that he's like, that's, that's not burning, so he decides to check it out. Exodus 3, 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am, and then they proceeded to have a conversation. And then God and Moses go on to have a long relationship, and they have many discussions. Think about the amount of time that they were up on Mount Sinai when God was writing the Ten Commandments. But after Moses, we see God moving from speaking to just one person to branching out to more individuals. Got several of these individuals God designated as specific messengers, which were called prophets. A prophet was someone who God spoke to to not only teach the people on how to live and to follow him, but also what was going to happen, which was a prophecy. There were many prophets. Some more famous than others. We have Samuel. We have Isaiah. We have Elisha. We have Daniel. We have Jonah. Let's, with, you know, let's be honest. Jonah only made the list because of his disobedience than for his message, right? But he makes the list because we can easily insert ourselves into that story. God tells us to do something, we don't like it, and we go the complete opposite direction. Calamity ensues, which could have all been avoided if we just did what God asked us to do in the first place. So we see God's communicating expanding, right? Messages from different messengers. We again fast forward hundreds of years. Now we have Jesus, who descended from heaven, born of human flesh. Now the communication changes from up there to down here. We see the communication transformation in Luke 3.22. 
And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So God and Jesus have this sort of father-son moment where God is giving Jesus kind of a pep talk before he begins his mission. Because what happens right after that, right? Jesus goes out to the desert to be tempted. So now we move from God said to Jesus said. The communication process is now man-to-man. So let's review. We start out with God speaking to his inner circle, right? To him talking individually with certain people to then speaking to select people to spread the communication, to now coming down from heaven to speak face to face. So why did he come here? What was the purpose to come down here? I mean, we have, I'm sure all the responses are going through your head. It was all part of, you know, this plan. And speaking of the plan, okay, can we um, stop making everything God's plan especially bad things that happen to us. I hate it when people say to me, well, that's something bad happens. Well, that's God's plan. It's God's plan. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna settle it now, okay? God himself only ever had one plan for this world, okay? And that was to restore that which was lost, all right? And the wonderful, awesome, amazing news is that plan was completed on the cross, amen? John 19, 28 tells us that, right? Later, knowing everything that had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Verse 30, when Jesus had tasted, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and it released his spirit. Finished, done, game over. Anything bad that happens to you is not God's plan. Jesus tells us we will suffer for his namesake, but it's not his plan for us to suffer. The reason we suffer is because of Satan and the sin of this world, not God. God has only wonderful things planned for you. And the good news is that when bad things happen, he will be there to comfort and bless you. He says he will give us double for our trouble. Everything that's going on right now and the things that are going to happen are signs, right? God knows how quickly we get distracted, and he wants us always to put our focus on him, not the things going around around us. Those of you who are sitting there checking off your disaster checklist like a bingo card, trying to be the one who gets to the right day, do you realize how much you're missing by doing that? God's plan for you is to not sit around waiting for the day. His plan for you is to enjoy your life and enjoy it with him. That's part of the plan of restoration, right? He tells us that, right? In John 10.10, 10, the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translation says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full in abundance, right? We go around saying we are living in the last days. Newsflash, the last days started at the cross, Okay? The disciples thought they were in the last days. Each generation says we are in the last days. So we are in the laster of the last days. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now, and it didn't matter back then, which is why God told the disciples not to put their energy into it. Right? Let's look at Acts 1.6. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel? The disciples wanted to know. And keep in mind, this was a real legitimate question. This, is, this conversation is happening 
after the resurrection. So it would stand to reason they have Jesus standing in front of them after he was raised from the dead that this could be it, which is why they say at this time. But Acts 1-7 clears it up. Sorry. It says, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Meaning, leave it alone. Don't worry about it. It's not for you to figure out. Which is why he says what he says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not some small thing. Think about the Holy Spirit. This is the working arm of the Trinity. It does the creating. It does the healing. It gives the blessing. And we've been given access. The other thing it's done, it's the most important thing, it does the communicating. When the Holy Spirit was given, it established a direct communication with God. We don't have to go through anybody. We don't have to wait for someone to come to our town to proclaim the word of God. We are now linked with him. When we accept Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. God now dwells in that place in our hearts that reserved only for him. To quote that song, there's a God-shaped hole. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And in the restless soul is searching. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And it's a void only he can fill. The Bible says it's this way, Ephesians 3.17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Trust him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. The lines of communication have now been established. And it goes beyond just talking like you and I talk to each other. God is now a part of you. And he communicates you through our hearts. So now when God says, it's not like it was before, we now can have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, this is where you may think, and I understand that, but I don't hear him. I pray, and I don't hear anything. Ever have felt like that before? Number one, I'm going to say a couple of things. Are you sure? Are you sure that you didn't hear anything? Keep in mind, God uses multiple forms of communication to speak to us. You could look at how a situation unfolded and realize, whoa, that was God. You can see how personality traits in you change, not instantaneously, but if you ever had something that used to either bug you or something that you really were into but you knew that wasn't good for you and, you know, not the best thing, you think, you know what? You think after a while, I don't even really care about that thing anymore. Why? Because God is changing you from the inside out. Because he's living in there, remember? He's taking up residence. And if you allow him, because he does nothing against free will, he will change you. Sometimes it does happen quickly. I'll share a personal story. Before I was a Christian, I say most people know I was raised Jewish. So taking the Lord's name in vain was not a big issue for me. That was something that rolled off my tongue like nothing. The minute I accepted Jesus, I stopped taking the Lord's name in vain. Happened that very day. So it does happen, okay? But you have to let him in, not just partially, okay? You have to surrender. You've got to give up everything for him. It's a choice, and he leaves it up to us. But he's calling you. We see this verse all the time, right? Mel just preached on it a few weeks ago. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. 
he's knocking. And you know what? He will keep knocking as long as he can, but there will come a time when, a, when, he, when he sees the abide, you know, no solicitor sign, he will, he will he'll honor it. There will come a time when he will honor your choice not to open the door for him. And then it'll be too late. Choice is always up to you. But once you make it, it will change your life. You will then be granted access to the Father. You're granted access to the kingdom, which you can have right now, by the way. Do you understand that? The kingdom offers peace and joy and love. Yes, this world is not our home. But we can have the best parts of the kingdom right now. If you're not experiencing any of it, you may want to examine the reasons why. There's, always, there's, three, there's only three main reasons. It's not rocket science. One is time. What are you spending your time on? Because that's where your heart is. That's, where you're, that's what tells God where your heart really is, is how we spend our time. The next is study. Not just reading the Bible, reading a chapter a day and not remember any of it, but studying it, seeing what God will reveal to you, spending that time. That's one thing, personally for me, that's one reason I love preparing these things because it puts me in that spot where I have to sit there and study and put it together. And every time I do, I have such wonderful feelings. And then after a while, you know, there's habits where you go, oh, nah, I don't have that time. I get up in the morning, I got to get going. And then my time is less. And then you want my days don't go as well, even though I know what to do, right? Because that's when the flesh takes over, right? We're fighting against the flesh all the time, every minute of every day. Why? Because Satan doesn't want us to have that relationship with anybody other, that closeness with God. He wants us to be in our heads and take that selfishness and put it on everybody and say, oh, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that. Woe is me. He loves that. Makes him happy. Right? God, that's not God. That's not what God wants you from you. He wants to say, I will take those burdens. I will do all that for you. Just be with me. Just be with me. That's heaven. That's why, that's the whole point of this plan was for us to be with him. Once this is all done, finally, and we're up there, we're going to experience that even more, okay? And the last is prayer. That's the most important one. That's the communication tool, okay? If we don't spend any time in prayer, we're not getting that, that intimate closeness with him, okay? It doesn't have to be an hour, five hours. I don't know how, much, how, how long you need, it's up to you. It's between you and him. I'm not here to tell you. I got my own, my own problems with it. It's up to you. But we've moved from God said to God says. And he says stuff to us every day. What is he telling you? My prayer is that you find out. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, for the words that you've spoken and the words that you continue to speak, Lord, may we can receive it. May our hearts be open to always listening to you, to focus solely on you, Lord. And we know that if we do that, no matter what calamities continue to happen, no matter what the next thing on the disaster list, we can focus and have peace with you. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that immense peace and the joy that it brings. May we show love, our love for you to others. May we tell others about you, continuing to tell them that they don't have to live in fear. They can live in joy. They can have peace, even amongst all this. And to tell them that that 
peace and joy can last eternity, Lord. Why? Because you gave us Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you for all that you continue to give us, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.